Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If Sheldon Keefe was confused by the late game process versus the Ducks and I guess Florida earlier in the week, there's going to be a whole lot of head scratching going on tonight for the Maple Leafs head coach. Toronto had a one nothing lead early in the first or in the third period, rather. Leafs decided at that point that they were good, and they wound up allowing a late goal and were eventually Ilya Kovalchuk'd in overtime. A two one loss is not what the Maple Leafs had in mind. It was the second half of a back to back, but that's a pretty bad loss, wasn't it, Mike? Are our shots overrated? Like, are we are we just like are do they have some have the Leafs? Develop, develop some sort of analytical mind where they go, oh, you know, shots there, they're actually an overvalued stat. We're just not going to, we're going to game the Corsi and not do any shots tonight. Uh, well, you know what? I think it was an ill-advised shot that was, in the end, the difference. But we're going to get through irony. all of that. Uh, definitely some irony there. But we're going to get, we're going to have to start from uh, uh, all the way back to, you know, before the game, with what, which was the decision uh, to start Jack Campbell in consecutive nights after just making his debut mm-hmm. on Friday night, getting the win versus Anaheim. I guess that was a good decision. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jack Campbell, you know, he just... He performed incredibly well. And then Sheldon Keefe's comments about starting Campbell in the second half back-to-back were really indicative of how he's just done with the Michael Hutchinson, uh, you know, sort of experiment. Because he was talking about, someone asked him, you know, what was what went into the decision? He went, it was a no-brainer. You know, he, we're, we're just going to get him in there. It'll be good for him to kind of get the juices flowing and, and, you know, get the debut out of the way and kind of get his rhythm back. And he has. And Jack Campbell's fantastic tonight. He he gave the, the Leafs a reason to win in. Or a, or a chance to win, not a reason to win. But also, I mean, you look at that game. You look at especially the the third period when they didn't again allow uh, or didn't take a shot for 18 straight minutes. Mm-hmm. That is that was game over. If Michael Hutchinson net, there were a lot of tough saves. There were a lot of tough shots. A lot of grade A angles that that the Habs were able to to sort of generate and, and get at the Leafs and Campbell stood tall and I saw on on Twitter his his post game comments after the game where he said, you know, this one's on me. Another save. Uh, you know, and we get two points. I want to look directly at Jack Campbell and say this is not on you at all. You played a fantastic game. I mean, I don't think it would be a, str- a hot take at all to say that with Hutchinson and goal in these back-to-back games, if that was indeed the route they'd went, which they would never have gone that route, uh, but they probably would have got zero out of zero instead points. of three points. And Jack None. Campbell got him three points. Uh, he doesn't owe anyone an apology, even though he's provided two apologies. In fact, you think everyone owes him an apology. Oh, uh, yeah. That's my biggest takeaway of the game is that everyone owes Jack Campbell an apology. He stood on his head. He he suffered through his team not shooting for an entire period. And 
he and he gave again the job of a backup goaltender and this is a guy playing his second consecutive night too with a new team traveling it there, it's been a crazy day or a crazy last couple get couple games and days and whatever however many you know increments of time you want to judge it with you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Couple of of weeks in the life of Jack Campbell, and he performed it incredibly well tonight. He did a great job. He did exactly what you need a backup goaltender to do, and for the team to let him down like that is just unacceptable. He even made a great play on the the game winning goal from Ilya Kovalchuk. I mean he he read the he play on he read the breakaway move on Nick Suzuki and decided to poke check it off his stick. It just so happened that it landed right on the stick of Kovalchuk, who was able to shovel it in. My biggest takeaway is that. Montreal could very well be the reason that the Leafs don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Montreal's now beat them three times. Each time it's been on the second half of a back-to-back. But that's six points that Montreal's put in the bank in these games, and the Leafs only have two loser points. I mean, it is going to come down. It's whether the Leafs make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, a four-goal mart or a four-point margin is probably what we're looking at Mm -hmm. uh, at this point. So looking back at these games, their inability to hold leads in at least two of them. I know Hutchinson obviously had a difficult time earlier in the season and then not holding the lead again tonight. Uh, it, it could very well be the reason why the Leafs don't make it, which would be obviously a shame if you're a fan of the Maple Leafs. It'd be, be pretty sweet if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. It'd though. be cataclysmic if the Leafs don't make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. Like I'm going to put, I'm going to say it on on tape right now so I can get dunked on if they don't, but... They will make the playoffs, but the fact that it is this close with the roster they have, with the money they're funneling into that roster, is absurd. It's absurd, and it's on them. It's on the. It's this one's on the players. You can make as many excuses as you want. Earlier in the season, Mike Bat, the Mike Babcock stretch, they haven't really been able to get out of that. There, there's been a lot of organizational change. They've had to make trades. They've had to bring in a new, a new coach, new systems, everything. Tonight. There are no excuses. This is on the players and the players alone. You cannot win a game if you do not shoot it for an entire period, and they didn't do that. It's just absurd. This is a team that is fighting for their playoff lives, and they went out there and they thought shots weren't really going to be their thing in the third period of a game where they had the lead. It's absurd. So do you buy in at all at the theory or I guess the idea that you know this team was playing in the second half of back-to-back and they just sort of ran out of gas after no. John Tavares scored that goal. You're a professional hockey player. You don't get to do that. You don't. There's no excuses. If your if your livelihood is at stake, if your playoff hopes are on the line, you don't get to say, "Oh, I was tired." Oh, my life. Like this, you. This is not you or I going to the gym twice and you know back to back. This is these guys have friggin' robotic little sleeves that they can put on their legs 
paid for by the team that regenerate you like you know Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight Rises where he puts that thing on his knee and he can kick through a wall and he never uses it again this is this is not we're not talking mortal men here we're talking professional athletes with a million dollar health and, and, and training and wellness program behind them you don't get to make the run out of run out of gas excuse and also it's not even like they took a cross country flight they took a train to Montreal I did that over Christmas break it wasn't really that you know that draining this is this is on the players and that I really hope and this is the 15th time got to say this this season but i really hope they take us a look in the mirror after this game and realize that we time is running out to sort of stake a claim on this season and you could find yourself sitting on the couch watching the team that you should have been in april so i guess you're not going to allow me to float out the theory that maybe the time allotment with the defense core three three guys at around 25 minutes timothy lill you're going to only play 10 minutes in the game was there a mistake there i know you're not going <laughs> to these guys can apparently regenerate limbs uh but you know I, I just I, I feel like that did play into it a little bit, but there are other issues definitely in play here. There's uh, I mean, Sheldon Keefe said the other night that he just doesn't understand. I, he doesn't understand why this team sort of changes its process when they suddenly have a lead in the third period. But this was the worst of the bunch. I mean, they just decided one goal was enough. Yeah. They they thought, you know what, we're, we're going to be able to defend. Uh, this the old-fashioned way, which is the opposite way of they that Sheldon Keefe wants to do it, which he wants is them to just own the puck in the offensive zone because that's the best way to keep it out of their own net. Uh, but as mentioned, they didn't have a shot after the Tavares goal in regulation over 18 minutes, and in the end, it was a shot on net, which is very ironic. Yeah. That cost them the game because Tyson Berry stepped over the blue line at the end of a shift uh, in overtime with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, uh, and, he, and he gave... Carey Price the chance to kick it out and basically start a transition rush, rush that again uh, led to the defining moment of the game or the decisive moment rather of the game. We're going to get into Tyson Barry. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to do that. But you're right. I mean, there is some semblance of the, uh, there's some truth to the fact that yes, they played you know three defensemen over 25 minutes and they re- there was a lot. Of, it was a very top heavy sort of defense allotment tonight. But at the same time, again, like. Then that's sort of that that would be on on Keith, I guess, for not allocating those minutes. But it's also, I mean, your job is to play hockey. Like it's twenty five minutes is a big workload, but it, you're not, you know, Thomas Shabbat logging thirty seven or something on the second half of back to back. You know, this is their players. They're they're very key players out of this lineup right now. And the way that you should be looking at this is, I have an opportunity to stake a claim on this team to show my worth in a role that I probably wouldn't be getting if there weren't these absences. And there are guys like Travis Dermott, especially. Even a guy like like Jake Muzzin is fantastic. He played a great game tonight. He was a warrior. He was out for what seemed like, you know, 15 minutes straight at one point on a on a on a penalty kill. And he played great. But anyone who's not named Jake Muzzin tonight had an opportunity to to prove to not only the team, but to to everyone around them that they are worthy of a top four spot. And I don't think they did. Rasmus Sandin was fine, but you know, he was he, but he wasn't, I guess, his not do, he doesn't dominate, but he wasn't really a steady self. There were some key, you know, giveaways here or there. Uh, Travis Dermott again just didn't look like he it doesn't look like he wants to get paid this summer. I think I think he's just cool not getting paid for some reason. He views getting paid like the least viewed shots in the third period. <laughs> like it's, I don't know what's going on here. I just don't. And they need they have no time to figure it out. They got to do it now. I'm having I'm kind of having a tough time implicating like one player. You know, like we. No, it's a lot. It's everyone. Obviously, Tyson Berry had his issues, and we're again, we will get him. I promise. Mm-hmm. Get to him. I promise. We get, we're gonna get him. But there's nothing. I think this was like this is everybody rolling up under the same sort of problem here. There's yeah. not like there's not 
one player that's not being able to handle the moment or one line that's not working. It was just a change in philosophy philosophy from what they try to do normally, yeah. which is they, they just decided to go from uh, front foot to back foot and just allow Montreal to push, push, push until they finally broke through. Uh, we, we talked about Jake Muzzin. Is there anyone else? Because uh, I'm having a tough time just singling anyone out. Is there anyone else you want to single out? No, you're, you're right. Like, I was going through the Rolodex in my mind when I was trying to think of this. And when you go when you go through each player one by one, you go, oh, they played okay. Like, I was thinking about, like, ah, Sandin played all right. Justin Hall had a, had a, had a bounce back game. Uh, you know, there was... Jake Muzzin played fantastic as well, and you really, you're kind of going through in your head, and you're like, ah, oh, not a lot of... Like, no one really had, like, a terrible game other than Barry. And then you and that but then you look at the result and you look at the product on the ice and you go well maybe it's because no one had a good game either. It, it seems like it th- that these these losses right now are death by paper cuts because again even through the forward core you go oh well Janssen didn't have a bad game. Kapanen didn't have a bad game. Kerf- Kerfoot didn't have a bad game. But what do you remember them doing? Mm-hmm. Nothing. And I and even this game I remember Kapanen like there were many times you know where I was yelling at I was yelling at the screen, being like, "Pass it! Use your brain!" Like you, this guy is just blinders on. And there's so many of these players who who are who just I, I don't know if they're if they're missing sort of that next step in their minds because it's it just seems like they're they're right now there isn't a lot of cohesion and they're in both on the defense and in the forward group there are about four guys maybe three on the back end and maybe four up front who are just dragging this team along. And if they're not on all like all night then you're not going to win. And Matthews had a decent game, but he wasn't his dominant self as he was before. And the Leafs didn't shoot the puck in the whole third period. Like there's, there's correlations here and it's just these incremental little failures that are just killing this team. Everyone needs to be firing on all cylinders. And it seems like no, that, that there hasn't been, I can't remember the last night where every single player you can go. Yeah. I remember them. They made an impact. I think the incremental little failures is probably what defined Tyson's Barry, Tyson Barry's night. And maybe his, a lot of his tenure here with Toronto, uh, a couple things obviously stood out to you. Uh, and the, the shots, the ill-advised shots are ultimately what hurt them in this game and ultimately what contributed to what was another poor showing from the power play. But there's just little things, little moments throughout the game when they're trying to set up on the power play and there's mishandlings of the puck. Uh, he, again, another one of those guys who you couldn't point at and say, wow, he made some really bad plays defensively and that's what cost them. He cost them through mistakes from an offensive standpoint and what they're trying to do with the puck, either on the power play or just in certain moments and certainly in overtime where he's just making the wrong decisions. Absolutely. Like I don't, I don't care what numbers you put in front of me right now. I don't care what graphs you put in front of me. I don't care what kind of heat maps you put in front of me. Tyson Berry is not playing well. He's just not you ever, someone's going to throw out, Oh, it's expected goals or this. I don't care. I don't care. He has, he killed this team tonight. Not just, not just on the, on the final power play or not in it. Sorry. Not just on in overtime when he, when he took the dumbest shot I have ever seen by taking a random slap shot and it wasn't a slap it wasn't one of those slap shots in overtime by the way where he tried to you know deflect it off uh, off prices out you know the outside pad and have a guy kind of sneaking in back door and trying you know it's, it's sort of like a bounce assist he tried to score he was going up top he was trying to pick it off he was trying to get some glory on that one and it didn't happen but it's not even just that it's the fact that he has neutralized power plays all on his own by taking these shots I don't know what is going through his mind with these point shots here's the problem though it was Morgan Riley was doing it, and even to a lesser effective extent, I believe, when he was on the PP1 at the start of the year. So is this not a tactical thing for the Leafs? I mean, is it 
Is it that they're running out of uh, ideas or or ways to try and break down uh, the opposition's kill when it's like, okay, well, at least we have a shot opportunity from the top of the umbrella here, and then they're just taking it. I can't really understand why they can't... I mean, fans have diagnosed this problem for months now, but they continue as an anal- analytically driven team that wants so desperately to keep all shots out of the home plate in the defensive zone. So they just welcome point shots. Mm-hmm from the opposition. But now this is a team that is taking point shots from the same areas that they're trying to encourage the opposition to take shots from. It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me, and it certainly doesn't make sense on the power play when you have one of the greatest shooters in the game, maybe the greatest shooter in the game right now, wanting more. I, I, I mean, I get that teams are sort of gravitating towards Matthews a little bit, and it's getting a little bit harder for them to find ways to get him the puck. Uh, but the A shot or the 1B shot, the 1C shot, the 1D shot should not be Tyson Berry from just inside the blue line and just hoping and praying that someone either gets in front of it, uh, gets a stick on it, or it rebounds to someone who can actually put it in the net because those shots, they are simply harmless. You know who else takes point shots on this team? Rasmus Sandin. And you know how many of them go through? A good amount. I've n- I can't remember the last time I've seen a Tyson Berry point shot hit the net. I can't remember it. And... You know, that could be recency bias. It probably is. But I genuinely cannot remember the last time that that guy is wound up, even on a wrister, but it's mainly slap shots, has wound up at the point and it has hit the goalie that he's trying to hit. It always either goes wide, it hits someone in front, it hits, there's no nuance to it. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to with, when you compare a guy, even with Riley too, he would just kind of throw him at it. And at least Tyson put some mustard behind those shots. Like at least, you know, with with Riley, it was just, you know, a little floater. But Rasmus Sandin, if you look at what he does, he walks the line, he he opens lanes, he creates space. And is it great to do, to to, you know, sort of fire off point shots? No, it's not. Like you said, it goes against everything that the Leafs are trying to do, at least on the defensive end. And for some reason, they're trying to replicate the the product of their defensive attack to themselves. So I don't know why they're doing that. But at the same time, if you are going to do that, you need to have defensemen who can who can find lanes, who can find openings, who create those openings and diagnose plays properly to the to the effect that it will get the friggin' piece of vulcanized rubber that is that runs this entire game on the goaltender. Because Tyson Berry is killing this team right now. The power play is, I don't care, we were talking about it during the game. Mm-hmm. Six goals in the last four games. That's fantastic. Well, I think it's six and five now, I guess. But it's, yeah. but good for you. Tyson Berry neutralized a five-on-three on his own against Anaheim on uh, Friday night. Because he just would, I don't know what was going on. And even in, and again, it's, it's the lack of nuance because he doesn't look around. He doesn't diagnose plays. On that overtime goal that he set up with the shot, he had Austin Matthews trailing behind him, a guy who has 20 goal, 21 goals in his last 21 games in overtime against the Montreal Canadiens in a game that you need to win. And he shot, and he tried to pick a corner against Carey Price. Certainly with the power play, the process doesn't match the results. You mentioned that they do have... Uh, they have a pretty good run of of uh, a play on the power play. Six goals, I believe, in 13 opportunities coming into this game. Obviously didn't get it done on the power play tonight. It was the difference versus Anaheim. They got two goals on the power play. One of them came in overtime. Uh, it was also the difference earlier in the week as well. I, I think it was against Ottawa where they scored mm-hmm. uh, with four forwards out in overtime as well. But it is not working. And it, it is weird to just, it is weird to see that they've actually had success on the power play of late because it is awful. Uh, and I, I think Barry is a huge part of it, but I think Marner has to wear some of the blame as well. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to you me, brought this to up. To me, Mitch Marner, 
he's he is that prototypical point guard that touches the ball all the time. He's going to lead the league in assists, but he's also going to lead the league in turnovers or unforced mm-hmm. errors. He's he's going to lead the Maple Leafs in assists in his four years. I think he might have the most assists since he's come back in the entire NHL. So you can't take that away from him, and you probably encourage him to do everything, him to do that. everything that he's doing. You encourage it because you want that creativity. You don't want to take it away from him. But there are just times where it's 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 low percentage play after low percentage play, especially on the power play. I guess that's when you want him to do it. Uh, but there is just some not inspiring, uh, I guess, strategy coming from him lately, especially on the power play, where it just looks like he's hoping something will get through, not moving. It's very stagnant. I want to see. I mean, every now and then we see him sort of get on his get on his horse or on, on the back pedal and start wheeling around on on power play opportunities. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's just standing still, hoping to feather it either to Barry. Tavares or on the other side to Matthews without really uh, trying to change the angle or make things difficult on defenders. He's getting a lot of pucks just knocked down out of midair and then cleared. Uh, it's, it's you know, you'll, you'll give him all the opportunities in the world to make plays, but I think he's better than the percentage, he, percentage that he's probably um, working at right now in terms of making the right pass. And I think that's one reason why the Leafs power play, you know, is... I guess doing okay because he had that Tavares pass, but that might have been the tenth pass in that game, and nine of them were knocked down and and really maybe helped get to them to to that point, which was overtime against a bad team. He also doesn't have a good shot, and he thinks he does. He scored like this has become a running joke. He scored an OT winner on a one time or one time, and he's going to try it every period until he retires. Yeah, and that happened on the power play again. It was a prime opportunity. He got the puck. He had a clear backdoor pass to Matthews, and he decided to wire it. And it looked like he was shooting with a wet noodle. It didn't go anywhere. Like there, this is the thing: is that the, the, these players aren't. I don't know if, if if it's a gripping the stick thing. I don't know if it's keeping your head down. But a lot of these key skill players right now are not looking around and not diagnosing plays not sort of thinking what's the you know what's that next move I can do my favorite the best part about this about all this is Jason Spezza because his strategy is I have a sweet shot and I'm just going to shoot it from from anywhere down low and there's a good chance it'll go in because I have a sweet shot Mitch Marner is is applying right now the Jason Spezza strategy except he doesn't have the sweet shot it's at a certain point too the thing that annoys me the most about Tyson Berry, and it just annoys me so much it, with the shots, is that this has been going on all season. Mitch Marner has only really kind of tried the shots lately. Ooh. It, no, lately it's come back in. But yeah. I think at the start of the year, oh, he, he was, was inspired yeah. to do it. It was like, okay, Austin Matthews incorporated a uh, a one-timer <laughs> into his game. We're switching sides. I'm going to do the same thing over here. And he tried it early on. I think he scored against Columbus, which was a kind of half-hearted yeah. one-timer where the goalie was kind of out of position. Before Elvis came back. Before Elvis was there. Elvis would have had it. Uh, and he And I think at one point, they told him to stop. But now it's come back into his game. Yeah. I think after he scored that goal, he should not be taking shots from you know, outside the slot at really at, at, at any time at all, because it's just not, it's just not a low percentage play. It's, it's, it more often than not is going to turn into an easy save and a clearance from the defense. No one on you, like you said this during the game, but no one on the power play should be taking a shot other than Matthews. And I would say Tavares too, in the bumper spot. No, one. no, it should and, be. and obviously in front of the net, you should be trying to get it to those two yeah. shooters or even Barry, but moved up. He's got to move up another six to eight feet, yeah. and then maybe you're taking shots there. You have to try and collapse the defense if you're going to use that point shot um, because they they just don't 
unlike other teams who can create traffic and useful traffic in front of that, that just doesn't happen with Maple Leafs. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't seem to happen. Uh, so that is, they've got to find a way, and it's all about movement. They got to find a way to get those two players into at least a shooting area where it might be threatening, or just get the puck to the guys who are actually going to put it in. And the thing, like the thing with Barry too, is that the the point shots have been going on all season, and they have never worked. They have never worked, and he still does it. Like it's again with the nuance. At a certain point, you need to recognize what you're doing is not working and try something else. A lot of players are able to do that. A lot of players are able to self-diagnose, realize I'm trying this one thing over and over and over and over again, and it is not working. And it's at the point now where it's hurting my team. I'm gonna try something new. But a lot of these, a lot of these players, and Tyson Berry specifically, he's the by far the most the worst offender on this is saying I'm just he's got the Babcock mentality I'm gonna keep doing the same thing I've been doing this whole time and maybe it'll work out and it's not and it is hurting the team and at this point like he's Tyson Berry yes the team would be would be straight up screwed without Tyson Berry right now because he's playing you know a lot of minutes on the right side especially with Cody Cece out but this is not a player who can he this is gonna be a player moving forward at least if you want to talk big picture who's gonna be commanding a lot of money to play to not be able to play top minutes he's a guy who needs to be sheltered and a lot of that is becoming is, is driving his good offensive numbers so he's on the ice with good play drivers the whole time so when he's out there the Leafs are driving play but how much is he really contributing to that he's not and he's he, he right now he is a negative value on the team especially after tonight every time and this is again selective stuff but every time the camera zooms on him every time he has an isolated spot where where he's carrying the puck he just, he does something that makes your stomach lurch. There was a sequence on a power play in the first period where he gave it away in his own zone three times. Three separate times. That's difficult to do. That's difficult to do. If you put, if you put anyone out there, you put Lilligren out there on the power play, same role. He doesn't give it, give it away three times on his own, in his own end with, with his team having more players on the ice than the opponent. He just doesn't. And Tyson Berry is well older than Lilligren, is being paid a lot more than Lilligren, and is being given a role that is far more expanded than Lilligren, rightly so. But he doesn't do that. It's in, this is insane, and at this point, you cannot, at this point in the season, you cannot just say, oh, we'll ride it out, and hopefully it'll correct itself, because we're 57, 50, or 56 games in the season, and it hasn't corrected itself. You cannot bank on that. I don't know what they, I don't know what they do, Aside from just sitting him down in a film, do they not have film sessions? <laughs> do they not look at video? Like, does some guy go, Tyson, stop it, cut it out? I don't get it. I just don't. I, I'm, I'm perplexed. Very rarely in hockey do you see someone do something over and over and over again that clearly isn't working, and it never changes, and seemingly no one around him is telling him to change either. Makes no sense. Well, the good news for you, Mike, is we may be running out of time to criticize Tyson Berry because oh, no. I, I think we're pretty certain that it's not going to last beyond this season. Uh, and while they did bank a point, uh, I don't think they made the progress that, or the meaningful progress, at least towards extending their season. We are going to get to one more big picture topic uh, before we're done the show. But uh, I do have to mention or we do have to discuss the decision on Kyle Clifford's part to not wear <laughs> or to wear a helmet rather during warm-up this is your hill to die it pained me i mean i just why can't we why can't fun things happen like why can't he just be him i I don't know i don't know what happened and they're never going to tell us but whether he caved to like the institutional pressure of you know having to uh, adhere to this rule to not wear a bucket or he just just you know thought i'm not going to stand out i'm going to assimilate and just be a team guy 
whatever it was, it, it just, I, I mean, it took away from the legend of Kyle Clifford that he could potentially be building here because there's just, he's got to stand out in these ways, right? Like it, yeah. I think it actually, it didn't perfect affect his performance. Obviously we, like I can't even spin that myself. You can try though. But like he didn't have that great of a game. We'll, so no, he we'll, didn't we'll put it out yeah. there. Um, but like, it just goes into his personality. Just let the player be the player that he wants to be. That's that was his thing that makes him comfortable. He says that's part of his routine. Just let the guy have his routine and then let the fans have fun. It's just there's it was so it's so needless to make him put on a helmet and do something that he just probably doesn't want to do. There's so few pure narratives this season. Like even Jason Spetz has been marred by Mike Babcock now. But the narrative of Kyle Clifford coming in, no teeth no bucket to to bring some old sandpaper toughness back to the Leafs that all your uncles want, but also be able to play the possession driving game that all the nerds want. It would have been so perfect. And this is, this matters. This doesn't matter at all in really the great, the great context, but like, just let him not wear a helmet. What is, come on. The Taylor Hall fiasco when he, when he got his face stepped on by accident. Remember that? That was scary. That was pretty crazy. But that was, that was a freak accident. Freak accident. These are professional hockey players who've been skating their whole lives. I think that, I think you can trust one, the, one of these guys who's been in the league for however many games to do it. It's just, it it doesn't matter, but you're right. This is not, this is my hill too now. I'm, I'm joining you on it. But you brought this guy in to be like, there's the play driving and the ability to hit and fight and do all this stuff. But you brought him in also to be a personality, to guy, to be a guy who's going to uplift this dressing room a little bit, to give it more personality, more punch, punch in a variety of ways, I guess. But now, like, how is he supposed to intimidate and warm up on the other side when he's just wearing a bucket like everybody else? It, I mean, you, he can flash the no teeth, but it doesn't have the same effect if it doesn't have the, you know, the beaming head. Like and that, it, yeah. And now we can't debate which player would be like the first to try and do it themselves. Now just no one's ever going to do it. No, and no, no, no more fun. No more fun. Nope. Uh, okay, the last point we're going to go to is the sort of lineup composition we've seen without William Nylander. Now the expectation should be that he comes back unless he's super, super, super sick. Um, but he has missed two games in a row and they have missed him in the lineup. That's for sure. And I think everybody should look back on these two games when they put William Nylander in their next mock trade proposal. I know <laughs> that is few there. They are few and far between they now because I now. think he has, uh, converted many naysayers, but listen, when he's, when he was not in the lineup, these two past two games, it turned this team from a three-line attack, in my eyes, to a two-line attack. You're 100% right. And we, we failed to mention in our power play conversation that the thing that's missing these last two games, and it's not, an, it's not a coincidence, again, that the power play has looked bad and William Nylander hasn't played. There you go. I mean, he's... I hope that this I hope that this stretch for anyone else who is out there on William Nylander is is bad or overpaid or not valuable enough island. I hope this is finally the stretch where you go, okay, I'm wrong. Because mm. you are. Because you are, William Nylander, William Nylander is a very important piece of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is on a he was, I guess now not I guess not so much because he's gonna you know he's missed the last two games, but he was on a like forty goal pace. Mm-hmm. He is an important part of the team, especially on the power play, and you haven't had him. And the taking it's like a Jenga tower, you know, you take one guy out, and now everything's starting a little. It's it's swaying a little bit more. It's a lot less easy. It's a lot more you know, f- I guess fragile. It's a fragile lineup without William Nealander. And that one piece, listen, it took away the par- the you know the two key partnerships that they have with their four big guys. Mm-hmm. So so now Tavares is not left to you know fend for himself, but 
but he's a, got he's got, got a little less foot. he's got a little less yeah. around him. But what it did is like Kyle Clifford and Jason Spezza, that's going to be your the basis of your fourth line, right? Mm-hmm. And that's so a good fourth line. And that's a great fourth line. But now they're playing third line minutes, and you know what? Nah, that's not that great. Like Jason Spezza has shown, I think, a lot in the last two games. I think he's been one of the Leafs' best players if you're yeah. looking at th- these two nights. But th- that is not what they had in mind, right? Like he's he is it, it, Kyle Clifford is not a third line player, and Jason Spezza can be. But that's not – I mean, he's a he is a tremendous value if he's a fourth-line guy doing what he's doing. And it also – I mean, that chain reaction pushes those guys up, obviously, into positions where they're not uh, probably optimized. But it also brings Freddie Goche and Dimitro Timoshev back in the lineup and into the fourth-line role. And those are two guys, when the Leafs have all their bodies, it's possible that both of those guys aren't in the lineup. So that one piece, William Nylander out, changes the, the whole dynamic of your bottom six – and it basically turns a three-line team into a two-line team. And I, I think the pieces could have been moved around a little bit. Maybe Pierre Engvall is is not on the fourth-line role. He's kind of reduced to in his functionality in these last two games. But uh, it, it just it had a big, big impact. And I think it's worth mentioning that uh, that what it did to the lineup without William Nylander there. Why is Dmitry Timoshev here? Uh, it, it, is a, it is one of the life's greatest mysteries. What does he do? How Dimitro Timoshev not only made the team, which is it's it's crazy, <laughs> that blew my mind. But the initially. fact that it's what we're at game, you know, fifty six now, and he's still here, it is it is amazing. Uh, I I don't I mean I think he's a useful guy in his own right. Sometimes I wish he would just shoot the puck when he had the, when he has the chances to shoot the puck. Do literally anything. He just holds on to it a little too long yeah. all the time. Uh, but you know what? I mean, this is going to be a fringe NHLer. I think for the rest of his career and the fact that he's lasted through what was supposed to Remarkable. be cap Armageddon and all these cuts and you know all this uh competition for the fourth line role he's still here and he's still making that NHL money good I, on him like the answer is cap reasons but the fact that Dimitro Timoshev is I guess at this point a regular NHLer and Nick Patan isn't is nuts it's pretty crazy or Pontus Auberg nuts or or Kenny Agostino nuts like it's crazy and these guys only make a little bit more than he does like Timoshev is on a 675 right now contract and Auberg and and Agostino and, and not so much because he makes 900 grand but like they all make 700 honestly right that $25,000 might have been the reason he made the team in the first place and he's lasted all this time but like I knew like from talking with people around the team I knew that they the organization at least under maybe under my uh not so much under Mike Babcock because he seemed to like him but like I remember at the end of the Marley season last year, talk to people being like, we don't like Dimitro Timoshev. Like the, like the, mm-hmm. the, there, you know, it, the sort of mood was souring a lot on him. And the, and then he came out and he made the team. It's crazy as well. Going back to, you mentioned Jason Spezza and how he's been one of the, the least best players. That goes back to my exhaustion point. If 36 year old Jason Spezza is out there flying, if you're under the age of 30, which everyone else on the team is, except for him, there's no excuse for you to be gassed. It, like I know that he doesn't play crazy minutes, but if you're a middle six guy and you're more tired than Jason Spezza is on the second half of back to back, you got some questions to to ask yourself. Like this, it's just unacceptable. It's it, the players who need to be stepping up usually have, and tonight a lot. It was it was again that the, that debt that incremental death of the middle guys, the the cushion guys, the guys who are supposed to you know fill in the gaps around your stars, just doing nothing, just doing nothing. They're invisible. What's one thing you can remember Andreas Janssen doing tonight? Hit me right now. I'm just we're just gonna leave it at that because exactly. I don't think he did anything. Tuesday night, the Maple yeah. Leafs will host the Arizona Coyotes for Tyson Berry's sake. I hope he has a better performance because Mikey brought the heat tonight. 
Thank you. And uh, also, Frederick Anderson, one last bit of news, I guess. Frederick Anderson, unknown if he's going to be a full pr- participant in uh, Monday's practice because they have a practice in between. So mm-hmm. uh, it could we, it could be Campbell time again. I mean, I, I, I would be normally. I mean, in any other circumstances, I'd be quite worried for the Leafs in that regard. But Jack Campbell has shown he can do the job. If he's in net, you know what? I think the Leafs are going to have a confidence, and I think the fans should have confidence too. Well said, Justin. We'll see you Tuesday. Bye. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.